This is the Birth Village Podcast. Welcome back to the Birth Village Podcast. I am Morgan Brower, and I have two very special ladies with me today. You all know Trisha Baird. Hey, everybody. And we are also joined by Jen Atkinson, who is a nurse in Oregon. She's a lot of things, but that's how we'll start her introduction. Hi, Jen. Well, I'm just a lot. (laughs) (laughs) In the best way. Um, Let me just hurry and kind of introduce how I know Jen and yeah. why she's on the podcast. Um, she spoke at AWAN conference with me. Well, we talked just, about her a little bit we last did, week. Actually, I don't know if you listened or not, Jen, but um, I did a little recap on the conference and kind of what we talked about and stuff. But um, but anyway, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with this person. I need her on the podcast. And so, now I am. And now Morgan is. Because I've heard about you so much. <laughs> and we've wow. been just stalking your Instagram like crazy. <laughs> we're just so excited that you're here and we're happy that it, this worked out. So anyway, that's how we got Jen and that's how we know Jen and she is from Oregon. So Jen, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm like I said, I've been a nurse for about like uh, coming up on 18 years. Um, I've almost always worked in some form of women's health, but mostly labor, delivery, postpartum, nursery in a hospital. I did do like a little bit of public health and sort of women's health, but um, I've been and I'm pretty heavily involved in A1 in a lot of ways. I teach their fetal monitoring. And then about mm, eight to 10 years ago, I started reviewing cases for malpractice attorneys, um, birth injury cases, um, both for plaintiffs and sometimes for defense. And so now I'm still at the bedside. I still take care of folks in labor, but I also do a lot of teaching and expert witness work, um, which is how I ended up at the Utah AWAN conference. And so Trisha and I kind of like buddied up early because like we were clearly the two outsiders. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I was like, I like Um, her. I mean, there were other folks like the current president of A1 and the next president of A1 were there, but they weren't there like that first night for dinner. Mm -hmm. So Trisha and I were both like, yeah, this is, we're not, we clearly don't, we're not, (laughs) we're we're here. (laughs) We're here to open some eyes to something different, which is amazing Mm -hmm. that they invited yeah. Me specifically, you of course I think is amazing. Yeah, because you should have been there. Me on the other hand, I was just major imposter. <laughs> but did you? So I have to admit. So like before, because I was like reading, like who else? Like what else the topics were going to mm-hmm. be? I was definitely like, oh sweet, what's the? I wonder what the doula is going to say. Were you like, what's the pitocin shit? Because you're like, <laughs> either one of us really could have gone. Oh. Either way. Yeah. I was definitely like, all right, she seems cool, but like, let's. (laughs) But we'll see. I was like, well, paradigm. I'm like, maybe she is going to talk about how it's overused, but maybe she's going to be like, yay, Pitocin. It's the wonder drug. And I was like, whew, this is going to be really. We could have gone either one of us. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Huge disappointment to the other. (laughs) (laughs) But you had my back several times and I was so thankful for your knowledge and expertise there to say actually hey Trish let me get this one (laughs) I know I got a little protective because when you're talking when you were talking from Oregon you everything you're saying I was just like yep yeah yeah um and the interesting about thing about Oregon is we do have 
a higher birth, uh, out of hospital birth rate, home birth rate here. But what people don't know is that we have a collaborative, a statewide collaborative, and we meet every October and we track both. We track a lot of things, but one of like the key metrics we track in our state is the collaboration between the out of hospital and the in hospital births. Mm. And since we've started that, everyone's outcomes have gotten better. Oh, when our so home so birth so outcomes got better, our hospital births got better. Yeah. When our hospital births get better, our out of hospital. And we don't, we're not really that weird about it. Mm-hmm. Like folks will, one of our big births um, out of hospital birth midwives used to be a midwife for one of our practices. So when she brings in her folks to our hospital, she comes to and just does the delivery in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like the mid- wow. our midwives are technically there, but you know, they're like hands in the pockets. That's wow. amazing. Who wants to do, you know, catch, quote yeah. unquote catch or yeah. whatever, then we're just, it's not a thing. But I was su- really surprised because I, I didn't know what to think about Utah. Yeah. And I have this impression that it was, and if you need to edit this out because it's somewhat offensive, <laughs> let me know. Oh. I had this idea that like birth is really important. It's I thought maybe it was like revere all these things. And I was so surprised by some of the questions you got mm-hmm. um, that I was talking to one nurse that seemed like she had liked what you said. And I was like, what's up? I thought birth was like this really like big, important thing. And she's like, here it can, it's very much religious. It's not spiritual. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you don't want someone positively transformed by this experience and empowered, and you see it as a duty, not then that you would be very threatened by the things that Trish was saying. Yeah. Yeah. But you opened, but some things you did really open my eyes is just about like, yeah, how different the two experiences are. Right. Very different experiences. Yeah. And not that one is better than the other. Obviously, we have our opinion on that. Uh, I'm going to say yours sounds way better. <laughs> okay, Jen, you can say that. <laughs> can we just be honest? <laughs> Thank I you like, for your honesty. And I was thinking about, um, I gave birth almost 10 years ago, and I just do really ref- I did it once. I, I feel like if I had done it again, it could have been healing. It's I have a different partner now. Um, the first one, yeah, I, I was like, I was not transformed. Mm-hmm. I was... Pregnancy and birth was literally the loneliest point in my life. Mm. You know, my spouse at the time left me at home in labor and went and got pizza and beer. Like, and my sister found me. And then I got brought to a hospital, which it was in the same system, but I showed up and I was thinking, they're going to know I'm the charge nurse from our sister hospital. I'm going to get the red carpet rolled out. I did not. And so oh. I just was so open. And I just kept thinking like, I don't even know that I had a nurse that night because there was like a snowstorm. I think they might've not been sure as I don't think I actually even had a nurse. Um, and you know, it just, I think back and I was just like, Oh, and I was a hypnobirthing instructor at the time. I had wanted a hypnobirth, all these things. And it was just, you know, I definitely, I say like, that's when I became, I feel like I became a woman after right. giving birth, but I don't think it was, there's definitely some post-traumatic growth that happened, not like that the birth was the transformative experience. And I right. do think mm. that that's probably, you know, and I don't know that I could have because I worked in birth and all my friends were labor nurses and stuff. And so it was like, I don't know that anyone was going to, you know, we some of our nurses have home births, but it's, you know, you're just in in the mess of it. Right. I don't know if it would have, but I'm like, I'm going to say, your sounds better. <laughs> 
okay, yeah. Ours is necessary. I, was, I would say hospital birth is necessary. Yes. yes. Right? Yeah. It's like if you can't poop, you need a laxative. But if you can right. poop, you just home. You just go ahead and do it. Yeah. You exactly. just go ahead and do it. Right, right. So I get that we're the laxative. Metaphor, <laughs> it's true. But... It's true. And people don't really realize that. But I love that about, analogy, honestly. The hospital is the laxative. <laughs> but what I was going to say was um, Transformed by Birth. There's actually a book called Transformed by Birth. And so you say I wasn't transformed in that way. But Jen, you were transformed you did come out of it a different person. You saw things and you realized things that needed to be changed. And I truly believe that, I don't know, I, I was by mine but because mine was different. But I think that when you say I wasn't transformed, yes, you were. Because I feel like now you have this passion that you maybe wouldn't have had. Um, maybe if you would have had a home birth and you would have been surrounded by all the people, you would have been transformed. I'm quote quotation marking that, um, in a, like a beautiful womanly, whatever way, but you are transformed just as beautifully, but in a different way is my opinion. Sure. Thank yeah. you yeah. for that. You're welcome. Yeah. 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 I was, you know, I did, I do think, yeah, it did bring me strength in some different ways. Yeah. Um, so to make you know, changes in my personal life, but also, right. you know, now down the road of um, thinking about, yeah, the work that I do with like birth injury, um, the hospital birth I do. And for a short time, for about three, four years, I was the educator at my hospital, mm-hmm. um, which is why I got to share those stats with yeah. you guys that we do have this incredibly low, even though, you know, like I said, ACOG's going to ACOG, like, Folks are going to have their induction scheduled or whatever, but just how powerful it is for nurses. And I worked all week and I took this photo of these two tracings and they were both inductions. Like one had kicked into labor, pit went off, but like their contractions had these like big spaces between them. And they both delivered like one was four in the morning. We got there at seven and she delivered at one. Wow. Mm. Right. And like, it's not, I mean, I think we can, we can narrow the gap of how different it is. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that's really what I'm kind of on a mission is like nurses are incredibly powerful and we can be powerfully helpful or powerfully harmful. Right. Yeah. We, get, mm-hmm. we kind of have that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so ho- helping nurses to be powerfully positive um, forces Right. And you're and definitely, so and I know a lot of nurses are feeling that the weight of that. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Not always knowing what to do. For sure. Yeah. Cause what is their option? Sorry. No, no, it's okay. If they feel like something because they see it so much and I know that doctors do too, but they're usually not there at the bedside like a nurse is. So if a nurse is seeing something that she's just like, I've seen this before and this isn't going to lead to a, a good outcome. Like what can she do as a nurse? Part of like the talk that I gave was about the Pitocin paradigm is that there are just so many nurses now that have only worked in hospitals during this period of time when we have like incredibly high induction rates, incredibly high use of Pitocin. And they don't remember the 90s when we had, it was still like quite low. Um, And so they don't, part of it is just opening their eyes that they're even living in this, you know, Pitocin paradigm, like the Pitocin matrix as it were. Um, And so some of them are just like, oh, I truly never considered it could be any other way. And that's why the obstetric model we have is so 
powerfully self-sustaining is because you don't believe things that you've never seen before. Right. Um, and so helping even just people to even think like, what? I can just turn the pit off when they're in active labor, even if they are an induction, like my mind is absolutely blown, right? They've right. literally, they have a 98% epidural rate. We have a 50%, 50, 60% epidural rate. Like <laughs> we see plenty of very normal, normal quote unquote for a hospital mm -hmm. birth. Um, and you mean like physiological birth? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, people like, come in and labor. Right. Yeah. They come in, they have a, they don't have an epidural. Mm -hmm. Or even if they initially come in for an induction, it's you know a very small amount. They kind of get kicked into it, and then they're off on their own. You know, we we see wow. plenty of regular old, you know, rare, rarely use of you know stirrups are for repairs afterwards. They're not mm. for pushing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so I have to remember like that not most nurses working in a hospital don't have that. And we've worked right. really hard to get there. Right. Um, we have a huge amount of like midwifery and obstetrician buy-in. Mm -hmm. They want to see women powerfully transformed by their births. They want to see women, you know, not only not traumatized, but like, you know, absolutely empowered. And so like mm -hmm. we have a culture, but if you generally don't have a culture that like senders female empowerment or sees that birth can be like a great gift to your community because you're going to have these like badass women like queens of the village as it were yeah. don't want a bunch of queens running around right, right. like you're not going to be invested in these things right. so consent is really comes from principles of like autonomy and it's the foundation of like clinical ethics mm -hmm. And if you don't, if some part of you, at least maybe you say, oh, of course, patient autonomy. But if you really don't believe women or people giving birth should make their own decisions. <laughs> because that, you're that's not the reality of it. Exactly. Yeah. So, and so we know that there's right now, not to get political, but we know that there is a strong contingent that don't particularly want to see women feeling any stronger mm -hmm. or better. They want to see them broken a little bit. Right. That'd be good. But can you imagine if we come out and say these men, I'm quotation marks, these doctors are trying to hold women down. Like so many, even women would be like, no, they're not. They're trying to help us, you know, like, but I agree 100%. This is the way to keep a female down mm -hmm. is to not give her choices, to take away her control. And this is the number one place that it's been done ever since King Louis wanted his wife to yeah. birth on his her back so he could watch. Yeah. You know what that I mean? Female delicacy. Right. Yeah, right. No, that's true. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we really moved. And, and I'm not saying like, I would say your average OB really does think that they are being helpful, but we're just so steeped in this culture. It's, 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 it's very difficult for an individual unless you're in somewhere like, I would say pretty politically radical, like Portland, as mm -hmm. far as like, you know, ideas of feminism or female mm -hmm. empowerment or whatever, mm -hmm. autonomy, choice, things like that. You're, you're kind of like sweet, benign OB is so is going to be just so steep that they, unless they really stop to think about what their coercion really signifies, right, right. Really stop, but they're just, they're running, man. Right. 
an OB practice, OBGYN practice, they are freaking running. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that it's necessarily, I think there's a, there is a portion that they are, they are maliciously thoughtful about why this is the way it was. And I think historically, Mm -hmm. absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely moving hospital birth or birth into the hospital was like a malicious anti-home birth, anti-midwifery campaign. We have lots of historical evidence of this. And then again, it was really only hospitals were only made for white women, right? We had segregation. So unless you're in the hospital, unless you're in like a big city, they, when we mean hospital birth, we mean for white women. Right. And until the 1960s, when we had the civil rights act and Medicaid, that was the first time black women even entered the hospitals. And we know that the system was not made for them. Right. And we continue. So it's, it's really like, we're looking at these layering populations of, of people that historically we were not interested. We did not set up systems to benefit their self-actualization, their self empowerment or these sorts of things. So today, I think once you start to see it, you can't unsee it, but there's definitely folks out there who think of themselves as good people who just really haven't. Right. Right. Yeah. Taken the time to understand these power structures. Yes. And that nurse that you're talking to talked about, it's not spiritual, it's religion here. And, And that's so true. There is a culture here in Utah and it's a good girl type of culture. And we fall in place. We don't ask questions. We do what we're supposed to do. We look a certain way and we especially don't go against authoritarian figures, especially if they're in a white coat. So, um, so that is something that I do feel like the generation that Morgan is in, like the 20 year olds, they are definitely going actually no, because I see it so much more like today in my, in my Bradley method class, I usually have between 10 and 15 couples on a norm. And now I used to only have one or two first time moms in my classes. Usually it was like moms trying to get a redemptive type of birth. Now mm-hmm. it's like 90% first time moms, all these young women. I call them young because to me, they're so young. <laughs> I was so young when I was having my first baby and I look at them like that and they're just in there going, yeah, I want this. I want this. I don't want that because I've seen this happen. And so I think that there is a shift happening. Um, not as on big, a big enough scale to really make that that huge of a difference, but I am seeing it for sure. This generation is coming up and saying, I want something different. And it's unfortunate that's taken this long for them to see, but it is what it is. We just did what our moms told us to do until we finally was like, wait, I don't have to do that, you know? So in Utah, I'm speaking, there is this weird culture thing that... And I've heard a lot of natural birth type women blame the LDS religion on the the reason why they chose to birth a certain way. And I'm like that, in my opinion, that doesn't make any sense at all, but I guess for her it did. And so mm-hmm. that's definitely something I'm trying to break. Is this culture good girl thing? Like it, this has nothing to do with who you are. I, I believe in God and I believe God gave this to women to make them become something transformed and amazing and godlike, you know, mm-hmm. because our the feminine body is so amazing in what we can do. And it's it's not our religion that is making us be this way. It's our culture. So Right. Yeah. And T knows that. And it, and it's sure it's LDS in Utah, but I mean there's examples from all other parts of the country oh, too sure. of that yeah. similar, you know, cultural 
dominating narrative around like, yeah, the good girl or whatever. And then, I mean, unless you get it, you know, depends on, I ought to say you see some dads and you're just like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to have sex with him. This guy's a dumb dumb. Yeah. It's It's like you got to have the strength. And like, I only know that now because I'm in this like powerfully supportive relationship now for the past seven years Mm -hmm. of like where our relationship feels like it made me even stronger. Mm -hmm. But if you don't feel like you have that, like I did it in my first marriage, I was like, I'm fighting this guy and I'm fighting this. Like there's, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was just lucky to get a vaginal birth. Like, right. Right. And so it just depends if you're, if you also, you're dragging someone, you know, and they're fighting, you know, with their moms or their families who are just like, why is she doing this thing? Mm -hmm. Do the do the thing. Just do yeah, the potato. Just go to the do hospital. The what are you trying to prove? Oh, why can't we just schedule it so that I can be there or all of these <laughs> things? So you just feel like these these poor gals are, you know, primarily gals are like really fighting against the. They're fighting this uphill battle, and so mm-hmm. I do think social media. I mean, for better or worse, there's good. You can find lots of garbage out there, but yeah. there's like lots of good stuff, right? Like you said, people got the pot in their ear now. Yeah. Um, and working, I'm working on, I'm working on the inside. You guys are working on the outside. Yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> but I think when we see change in lots of other examples of change is it, it's slow. It's painfully slow. We almost give up and then things start to accelerate. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. Thinking so I'm of, hoping that's where we're at. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'm thinking of our listeners and I, I'm wondering if you have any advice for them about what they could, what they can do. You know, most of our listeners are just they're not nurses, they're not hospital professionals. So if someone is pregnant and they're going into an experience kind of having to fight the system a little bit, would you give them any advice? Yeah. So one thing I was really thinking about, because for my healthcare system or for like a large multi-state Catholic healthcare system in the West, um, I'll let you figure out which one it is. But uh, <laughs> I teamed up with the director of our clinical ethicists, uh, ethics. Her name's Jen Dunatov, and she goes by on Instagram, No Trauma Mama. And she talks about birth trauma and, and consent and all those things from like an ethical framework. And I talk about consent from a legal, more of like a legal nursing framework. Mm-hmm. And we gave a like shockingly well received talk about how to how to, to, to tackle these ethical, we call them ethical dilemmas, which, you know, informed consent as, as she's, she'll say is like, is the ethics question. Right. Um, so something I, and, and then we just, um, submitted to do this talk at national a one. So to give resources, but I think would say for your folks who are either, you know, maybe doulas out of, hospital, you know, soon to be parents, anybody working outside of the hospital, two things you should know about a hospital is um, I think you see the unit and you think that that's sort of all there is, but like the structure and function of a hospital um, can, is, can seem really overwhelming, but there's some pretty like cool parts of it, I think um, that are underutilized. Um, so when we think about informed consent, like we said, it's it has both like legal implications, right? Whether it's done or not done, it has some professional implications. You know, ACOG, A1 has all these position statements, like thou shalt do informed <laughs> consent. Mm-hmm. And then it has some like ethical implications. So two departments that every hospital must have 
is an ethics and illegal. Mm. <laughs> so if you maybe not your pay, not the person who's looking forward to giving birth, um, if they do show up at the hospital and they feel like they're not getting informed consent, they can ask for an ethics consult. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. And that okay. ethicist would be so that would make their freaking day. I bet. So what whatever is ethical is not always legal, whatever is legal is not always ethical. So they're not always at odds. But they, those are two resources. You can also just say, like, I feel like my rights are being violated. I want to talk to legal and both ethics and legal are on call 24 hours a day at every single hospital. They may not have an ethicist, but per the joint commission, every hospital has to have an ethics mechanism. Okay. So, but then if we're thinking about like system change, how can we engage those folks earlier? Um, you know, hey, I'm a doula. Um, I hear you're the ethicist for the hospital. <laughs> like, you know, my clients are expressing like they're not really getting informed consent. Do you think you could go do to the next staff meeting and talk about informed consent? Or do you think you can look into this for us? Yeah, They will skip so fast down that hall, <laughs> have in their step, mm -hmm. because usually ethicists are really get tied up with like end of life stuff, that mm -hmm. kind of things. But to have them be like, oh, I get to go to L&D or there's a labor and delivery question. Mm -hmm that is their Super Bowl. Like, wow. so you, so patients can ask for both of those things. Awesome. Be like, I want an ethics consult. They'd be like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> they probably have to, the nurses will probably have to find. So one of the things that we're going to help the nurses understand is yeah. understand this yeah. and request this help because a lot of nurses are understanding that they're not doing proper informed consent uh -huh. on many things, mm -hmm. right? One of those things is augmentations and inductions. Um, so Oh, we're gonna help people understand the structure function of a of a of a hospital because mm -hmm. there's one thing I like it's being a sneaky little bitch. So I like <laughs> same. <laughs> I like understanding power structures. I like understanding <laughs> and then figuring out I where I can awesome. influence. <laughs> yeah, I like her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, can we put that on everyone's birth plan? We need the ethics counselor in here. Yeah. <laughs> Just get them in in the first place. Have them on call for us, please. Yeah. Well, how building those relationships earlier, I would say for like doulas, anybody who's doing interacting a lot with the hospital is like building that relationship. And mm -hmm. you could be like, boop, 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 send a text like, Hey, whoever, and historically ethicists, hospitals those have been like old white guys, but it's very, the demographics are very much changing. Yeah. So they were very, they were just like off in their office thinking their big thoughts. And now uh -huh. clinical ethics is a much bigger um, field. Bioethics is a much bigger um, and more diverse field. So yeah, yeah, building a relationship with that hospital ethicist would just like pay dividends, I think. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to look into that. I do have a few nurses that um, I love that. Well, I love them all, but I have a few that I'm friends with and we actually do yoga and coffee together, you know, <laughs> so like we're really good friends. So when there's something going on, um, that the nurse isn't okaying and I know that it's okay as a doula, I will just text her and say, this is what's going on. Can you please make this nurse do something different or, you know, and it's so great to have that inside in the hospital where most mm -hmm. doulas do not have that, you know, we're just like outsiders and we just have to go with the flow or else get kicked out or whatever. But so I definitely do have that in, in our hospital and I'm working to get that for everyone because 
any doula that's having an issue will text me and then I'll relay the message. So right. Mm -hmm. These informal structures and systems that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard because it's not like you guys are getting paid to fix our mess, but just come on in. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Like, Oh gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So you just never know we're going to get there. You just never. Exactly. I can see that. I can see that because I can see, even though we're very like everything you said in your talk at A1 was like, I was like, yep, yep, yep. I can still see that in doulas that I interact with have been treated differently at some point because of yeah. how like surprised they are Yeah, by me. Like this one, I came in and I was like, oh, when was the last time you eat? You want to eat some food? You want to have something to drink? You want to need a little energy? Like, yeah, <laughs> muscles are working. And the doula was like, what? She <laughs> fell in love with you in that moment. <laughs> she was like, You're gonna... She's like, I told her she wasn't allowed to eat. I was like, oh yeah, we, we haven't done that for about a decade. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that's, yeah, you can say that we haven't done that, but it's happening still. But yeah. It's still happening. It's still I happening. mean, our hospital hasn't done that. In well, decade, I know it's but, so lucky. But yeah. And I'm never going to tell someone they can't do something, but again, it's like, do you value And I think that's really what we're, I used to think when I first became an expert witness, I was like, there's no way that this is going to be a long-term thing for me. Like people are going to know, they're going to hear the information. They're going to learn. They're going to do better. And you, there's plenty of information out there, education out there, especially like on using Pitocin poorly or using it, you know, as, as intended. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the end of the, and people, you know, these nurses are like, well, we're just waiting out Dr. So-and-so, you know, to retire or something like that. And I'm just the sort of like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of a thing. But I'm like, yeah, you can, because they all learned how to do little tiny robot uterus surgery, right? Because they all learned how to do laparoscopic this. They all learned how to do robotic that. I'm sorry, but if they can be down the hall, working little uterus robots, they can learn something new. how birth works. Exactly. Right. Um, but it, again, it's not lack of knowledge. It's not lack of intelligence. It's, I, yeah, there is this lack of desire, I think. And there's this lack of, um, is, do you think birth is important mm-hmm. and not everybody? And so really it's, I think the question I'm, you know, I do try to, you, you know, that baseline question is like, well, do you think birth is important? Or do you just think it's utilitarian? Like right. we're extracting mm. A out of B, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the ends justify the means, that sort of thing. Or do you think it's this more meaningful event in the human existence? And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that is unfortunately like a much more, diff- that is the challenge. Of course. And it's becoming important to people because it's becoming important to patients, like you said, the next generation. So that's where my hope is, is that it is going to accelerate. For sure. So how can we recognize whether or not we are truly getting informed consent? So it's defined, it's well-defined. And so you have to be told what the procedure is, Mm -hmm. what the alternatives to that procedure are. Mm -hmm. So not doing the induction, doing cervical ripening, you know, you can have nipple stim instead of pit. You can do, you know, what are all of the alternatives? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the risks to the procedure and the risks to the alternative? So if they're not telling you actual risks, 
Um, and then PARQ. And do you, does the person have any questions? You said if they're not telling you actual risks, what does that sound like if they are telling you the actual risks? Um, for Pitocin specifically, they should be telling you that there is, a, you know, a risk of an overdose. An overdose is going to cause tachycystole, which is too many contractions. If that happens, there's a risk that your baby's not going to get enough oxygen, that it increases the risk of your baby going to a NICU and a nursery, um, that you you can, it can inadvertently cause uterine atony. You can bleed to death. You can die. Your baby can die. Like death is a risk of Pitocin. It is. It's a very, yeah. I mean, infinitesimally small, but it is a risk, right? right? Any right. surgery, they're going to tell you, you go get a bunion taken off your foot. They're going to say, you, there is a small chance you risk of death. Like mm-hmm. the med commercials online, like when they're talking really fast, are like, <laughs> yeah, like always at the end, risk of death. <laughs> There's always a risk always. of death. I'd rather always. just have allergies. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I really wanted you to talk about your, this expert witness that you are and kind of how that came about and kind of what what you do for people and maybe a, a story or something so our listeners can really understand what's going on out there in the world. Yeah. So I, as an expert witness, um, there's, you know, four parts to any lawsuit. So when somebody is hurt in birth or their baby is, they think it is injured. Um, they can go and bring their medical records, so request their medical records and they take them to a malpractice lawyer, a plaintiff's attorney. And then that person will look them over. And if they, they'll either, they'll look them over, someone in their office will look them over, or they'll have me look them over to say, yeah, it looks like there's an injury and it looks like this injury might've been caused by the care you got, right? Mm -hmm. So not every bad outcome is related to substandard care, right? right? And so the standard, and so what I do is I look to see, was the standard of care met or not met? The nursing, the inpatient nursing standard of care, which the standard of care is what a reasonable and prudent nurse would do. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a large part, my opinion is what actually helps set that standard of care um, which is why I think this work is really important. And nurses also need to understand is that every time they go to work, they are also helping set the standard of care. So it's not like a brick wall, right? Like we used to give everybody an enema and labor. We obviously like that would be outside the standard. So the standard of care changes. It's, it is changeable. Um, we generally recognize that as a labor and delivery nurse, you should understand labor. You should understand what normal labor is. You should understand what abnormal labor is. You should understand how to use medications appropriately, like Pitocin. You should know how to read a fetal monitoring tracing and know what that means. Um, And so I look to see whether the standard of care was met or not met. In birth injury, statistically, about 88% of those injuries are caused by a nurse not using Pitocin appropriately, by using it inappropriately. Um, they used too much of it. They used it for too long. They didn't see the signs of distress. They didn't see the signs of too much uterine activity and they failed to remedy that situation. They normalized what they were seeing because often they actually don't know what normal is. (laughs) So they think back to back to back to back, crazy, insane contractions or 
massive decelerations on the fetal heart rate or all of these things are normal and they're, they've just normalized them because they've seen them so much. And because we get lucky a lot because right. babies are very, for, I mean, they're so resilient smokes. <laughs> yes. We, it's not that we're giving good. We gave good care this hundred times. And this one time we just got unlucky. It's like, no, we just got really freaking lucky over and over and over. So it's normalized as that it's called normalization of deviance. Wow. And so we normalize it um, a lot, but still the standard persists that nurses are supposed to know these things. Right. Um, so that would be, so I go in and I, I do review for defense and I review for plaintiffs, um, but plaintiffs attorneys, you know, there's this myth of like, oh, ambulance chasers or frivolous lawsuits or all these things, but Plaintiffs' attorneys only get paid if they win. Um, they don't get paid by the hour like defense attorneys do. So they really invested in only taking cases that they like 100% know. So if there's a lawsuit, like it's already tipped in the, you're like, they're probably not taking something that's like clearly, oh, you came in with a uterine abruption and they delivered you in 10 minutes. Like, obviously there's no standard of care deviation. Like that was a right. crazy emergency. They did everything they could. Yeah. Um, so I go in and I review the case. It depends on the state. I'm in most states. I'm in the federal court system as well. Um, and so the federal court gets involved if it's like military or if there's residents because of Medicaid. So there's this whole weird, complicated legal system that even I'm not like an expert on all of that, but, um, I either have to do some sort of affidavit or declaration of merit or something like that. You also, in most states can't, go forward with a lawsuit unless you have like a nurse or a doctor say, Hey, I've reviewed it. And yes, I found that it has merit. Like lawyers can't just file these on their own. They okay. have to have somebody look at it. Okay. Yeah. So then the judge to accept the case looks at who I am. Okay. She sounds smart. Like she knows what she's doing and this is her opinion. Okay. So I have to qualify as the expert and my opinion has to qualify. Mm -hmm. And then the lawsuit is then like, that's when like it, it starts. Okay. Um, so then they'll take everyone's deposition that was involved. They'll take my deposition. They'll take, you know, other experts depositions. And usually there's a settlement. Um, it's rare. It goes to trial, but every once in a while it does. So wow. Do that you, sounds I have to go to Phoenix <laughs> next week for a trial. And I'm just like, Oof, oh, it's a little bit of a rough one, but, um, it'll be okay. Yeah. But yeah, I do enjoy it. A lot of people are like, oh, that sounds fun and exciting. But unlike being a nurse, there's like no good outcomes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's oh, just, just sad, so sad, yeah. sad. So I have to have like a lot of like nervous system practices in place. Yeah, I bet. Because, yeah. You can't bring it home, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is, my house is definitely like, yeah, like my safe place. And like I said, this like incredibly like loving, supportive yeah. Uh, yeah. man in my life. So um, but you know, just, it was making me realize, cause sometimes you see stuff on the news and you're always like, God, why can't I do more? Yeah. Or you just see all yeah. the stuff. And I realized I'm like, oh, it's hard to see all that stuff because we're empathetic and we can't do anything about it. Yeah. And this is hard because I'm empathetic, but I feel like I can do something. Right. So that's why I keep doing it. It's not, I mean, it's pretty gnarly, um, to be yeah. honest. So. 
Thank do you. not recommend. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm here and I'm just compelled to keep going. Yeah. Well, I can only imagine the amount of lives that you've entered and help them not only understand what happened, but help them, you know, not that any type of money is going to help anything, but just make them feel at least valued or validated in their feelings, you know? So thank right. you for that. Well, they need to take care of this child now. Yeah. Um, but sometimes some of the things I do like is, and I tend to only work, I only work with the same kind of attorneys. Um, you have to have a referral or I have to know you if I'm going to work with you. Cause there are, I mean, like any field, there's not always people that are of high moral character, right. <laughs> but I do feel like the people I choose to work with are, um, and some will even look at a case. They'll know nothing that they're kind of on the fence, but they'll have me look at it. And then if I find like, actually this person got really good care, I can sit with that patient and walk through it and help them. Because at that point, something happened and like, sure, the hospital or their doctor can walk through it and tell them everything was fine, but they just don't quite trust or believe, or there's that unanswered yeah. question. Right. Um, and so sometimes what I do is like help people process that right? and be like, actually you did get, I'm, I'm so sorry this happened. Mm -hmm you know, it isn't always, it, I mean, right. You know, act of God, whatever. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that to them, of like, course. this was an act of God, yeah. but you know, we know that it's, there is that slim chance that something could go wrong. And, and those, those people also deserve. Um, so nurses and doctors can get really like, I can't believe I'm getting sued, like very defensive or affronted, but I'm like, I'm sorry. If your baby, something happened to your baby, you would want to know. Yeah. You, got to close, you got to close that story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I never find it, um, weird that people pursue legal action because it's really in our country, the only way to get answers mm -hmm. truly. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Um, do you have like a story that stands out that you would want to share with us? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many. That's the thing yeah. is it's like, I have to limit how many I can take. I read, I reviewed uh, over 350 cases now. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> like a lot, a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, you know, this year, especially I had a lot of maternal deaths all kind of all at once. Mm. Um, and that was a real eye opener to me because depending on the state, how much a wrongful death is worth, um, in a state, right. There's caps on these, um, for a lot of, if you're, if you're a woman and you're young, maybe you aren't working, that limit might be like a truly a pittance. And so those cases don't get taken up. Or if you didn't die, you just were like severely injured, you know, just how unfriendly the legal system is. But yeah, the, I would say the maternal deaths are particularly hard, but you're carrying these stories around with you, like the whole rest of your life. You never, there's not one that someone couldn't, I couldn't like relook at my notes and be like, oh my gosh, I remember mm -hmm. this, right? I will remember these stories the rest of my life. I will never forget. Um, and it's hard because I often don't, I, I mean, I really don't meet people. I've met one family at trial. I didn't meet the the mom or the child who'd been injured, but I met the father and the grandmother. Um, we all went out to like lunch after my um, deposit or my, my trial testimony. And they're just like really lovely. And then one time I did meet at trial, I met the mom and she had been someone who had been like, particularly struck me. She'd been like a young black woman, very young. I can't, she was like 18 or 19 when she 
got pregnant and she was at a teaching hospital and just how many times I think without looking at my notes, it was like in 20, the first 24 or 36 hours, she was checked like 20 times by like 16 different people. <sighs> like just the amount of violation, like just to think about that, like we normalize checking folks as clinicians so much, but just imagine person after person after person checking you. I Do you think they're asking for consent every time? No, no because there's no possible explanation for needing that many exams, right? right. Like if you Especially need that, by many, that many different people, well, they were just, it would be like three people checking every single time sometimes oh. or anybody who was on checked because it was a teaching hospital. They're like, I think wanted. So that first year, dumb, dumb resident, the, you know, second year, the third year, the attending, sometimes a nurse throw them in there and then they're changing shifts. So then you have this whole new slate of folks who want to get their hands right. in there to practice. Like, yeah. And, you know, who do they choose to practice on? But this like incredibly vulnerable girl. And of course I'm involved because her baby in the course of this did get brain damaged um, from the labor, from the excessive Pitocin, the excessive uterine activity and the lack of seeing these signs. Um, so I'm at trial and I'm giving my testimony and in this, in not all States, but in this state, the, the accusers, the plaintiff, has to be there. Um, and she was, she's there, she's all alone, right? Because her partner's home with the baby. Mm -hmm. uh, and this wasn't even in the town that she was from. So she had to travel quite far to this courthouse. And she's sitting there just feeling, I'm sure, so out of place, right? There's all these lawyers and the judge and mm -hmm. legally people in suits. And she's just, you know, at this point, you know, probably like in her mid twenties, because it these things take many years yeah. and I'm just watching, I'm talking, she and I have locked eyes because as I'm explaining everything horrible that happened to her and why it was horrible, you can just see her like crying, mm -hmm. like that re-trauma happening. And it was absolutely like one of the most, I, I was not okay <laughs> for yeah. probably about a month after that experience. And afterwards, you know, we met in the hallway because I'm not really supposed to talk to her either because yeah. she hasn't testified at that point. It's just, I, I've testified, but she hasn't. Um, but I just, I was like, do you need a hug? And she said, yes. And she just like collapsed into my arms. And I was just like petting her back and petting her hair and just telling her like, you deserve so much better. And like, I'm so sorry I wasn't there for you. And like, I felt really, sorry, I'm getting emotional. Like I felt really guilty that I couldn't protect her or save her from that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just awful when we think about it and you see these people's face and you just carried their story and you feel this like rage inside you or this righteousness or this, I have to be careful because this trial isn't actually over. We have to go back again. Um, so I know they're going to like hear this. <laughs> Be like, wow. Oh, Jen, you're rageful. <laughs> what happened to this patient? Um, but well, you're uh, a human. But yes. And I feel, yeah, I just, I do. There was this part of me that was just like, God, I wish, why didn't I get to those nurses earlier? Why didn't I teach them? Or why couldn't I? And so you do get this sort of, but you know, you also have to pace yourself because, mm -hmm. like, the work you guys are doing, you can't save everyone. No. No, you're, you're just like throwing starfishes back, right? As yeah, fast yeah. as you can. Yeah. 
it, the ones that are the hardest is people that are related to us that don't trust what we have to say and they mm. don't want to take our advice because an old man in a white coat has been doing it for 30 years and that's who they trust and it's like we've seen things too you know but but you know that's why that transformed my birth it comes back to me we all are transformed whether it's in a wonderful way or whether it's in a very bad way we will all be transformed in a birth experience um and what are we going to do with it you know are we going to take it and try to better ourselves or help ourselves or are we going to just keep down that rabbit hole and then teach our daughters no you have to have c-sections too because that's what i had to validate to continue to validate ourselves you know like it's just this vicious cycle so i guess that's why i wanted you to to bring up an example that was really hard to even listen to as a doula and someone who wants to protect. Um, I'm just, that's why I think I was so drawn to you because I could see the power that you are and are doing. And I'm beyond grateful to know you and to understand that there are people like you that work in hospitals. It gives me hope that... I'm not just on this losing battle, you know? So thank you for sharing that story. Seriously. And thanks for doing what you do yeah, and just protecting these women and, and doing what you can, even though sometimes it just feels like, sometimes it feels like a losing battle. Is like that, you said. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and right now we're seeing because of social media and stuff like that, there's like a very much this like burned out nurse. Mm-hmm trajectory and nurses are also being, especially young nurses or new nurses are seeing like, oh, well, I don't want to cause harm. I'm going to leave the hospital. I can't be complicit in this. And I know how much my unit itself was able to change into this place that I know that they are better off delivering at my hospital than at any other hospital. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know that my patient's better off with me there than if I wasn't there. Like, and so just reminding, you know, if there are any happen to be any nurses, like I'm going to share this podcast, obviously, (laughs) but is yeah, people, there is this real temptation to like leave the system, especially the good, the quote unquote good nurses that are feel the way we do. Yeah. Um, but really encouraging them. Like it's hard, but like your patients are better with you there. Like it's better. I know it's hard. I know the change is super, super slow, but change happens when we like build those relationships, Mm -hmm. when we, um, you know, build our knowledge and when, you know, we're there showing the proof, right. Right. And doing the hard work. And I'm super loud still (laughs) like, like my patient just delivered in like six hours. (laughs) (laughs) I just jiggled her fascia. (laughs) I love it. No, I didn't start pitch. She contracted every four minutes. <laughs> All on her own. Can you even believe it? <laughs> I just yell it down the hall sometimes. <laughs> oh, I do the happy dance sometimes leaving the hospital when <laughs> it's like a first time mom that delivered with nothing. And I just like walk out. One time I walked out in the nurse's station, bless their hearts. I love them so much. And I was like, can you guys believe that? That was so amazing. I'm like, isn't it so crazy what can happen if we just leave them alone? <laughs> And they all just kind of looked at me like, I was like, okay, wrong crowd. Anyways, thank you guys so much for what you do. You know, like they were just like, wait, what? 
And I think I even said, oh, I was just reading in a book that talked specifically about this, like one of my natural traveler books. And I was like, wrong crowd, wrong crowd. But I was like on this oxytocin <laughs> after birth high, you know, like right. I was just so proud of my client for being so brave and trusting in her body, you know, and anyways, yeah, it was, they didn't really want to hear that, but yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for listeners or thing, people like another thing to kind of take away is like in birth, we know we get our best outcomes when we don't intervene in normal mm -hmm. and we intervene in a timely manner and abnormal. Right. And so it's always one of those two that I, that I see is that they it messed up normal or things were starting to go off, but we didn't intervene in a timely manner, right? Mm -hmm. Too much tachycystole or they're having an abruption or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so one question, and I'm sure you probably coach folks to say, this is when interventions are being offered is just like, you know, really expecting that informed consent, the, you know, PARQ is what it's called and saying like, okay, well, what about what's happening right now is not normal. Right. Will yeah, you, great will question. you review just the, the acronym PARQ again, just really yeah, quickly? So procedure, alternatives to the procedure, the risks of the procedure, and do you have any questions? Okay, perfect. And if you can't say, if, if informed consent only is only means anything because there's also informed refusal. Mm. So your yes means nothing if you can't say no. Right. right. And people need to remember that. Okay. Your yes is absolutely meaningless. It is coerced unless you know that you could actually say no to something. Okay. And saying no has to be respected. You can't just be like, say no, but then you get badgered every 30 minutes. Right. That's coercion. Okay. Such heavy. good things. Yeah. yeah. Would you talk to us a little bit about the Pitocin paradigm? Sure. I know you've got a lot to say about it, but like, like, I have we a 55 know. minute presentation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Pitocin paradigm, so a paradigm in this presentation I give is, is a paradigm is like the typical example of something or what you think of. And so 30 years ago, even, even once we had hospital birth pretty well established when people thought when a nurse closed their eyes and they thought of like their last handful of patients, they primarily thought of people coming into labor on their own and progressing in labor on their own. Maybe they had an epidural, but more or less we had very, very low Pitocin use. It was like five or five to 10% of folks got Pitocin. Now, when labor nurses close their eyes and they think of their last handful of patients, and we did this exercise at the conference, it was most people pictured, when they pictured that typical patient, that, that paradigm patient, it was someone epiduralized on continuous monitoring with Pitocin. That was what, and so... That's what we mean by the Pitocin paradigm. We have an over 50% rate of use um, now, it's, it's dramatically different, right? Um, and we have this whole generation of nurses that don't, that, 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 that this is what they think is like the typical, the exemplary birth. Right. Um, and it's problematic for a lot of reasons. It's problematic because it, you know, People on Pitocin are more likely to get epidurals. Those people get fevers. There's diagnostic confusion. Um, they're more likely to hemorrhage after birth. Um, babies are more likely to go to the NICU. Um, and all of this is dose dependent and length of time dependent, right? Like if you have two milliunits of Pitocin for an hour, like probably none of this, but we're talking those yeah. 
10 to 20 hour long inductions on 20 million units of PET, you know, and some, and somewhere in between, you know? Um, and so it's bad for those reasons. It's, you know, and, and the thing that I, that nurses also tend to really resonate with is, is it's, it doesn't, it's not care that we actually like giving. Right. We all, most of us went into labor because we thought we were going to be doing birth, like labor support. We, we thought that, that, that is what we thought right. <laughs> I would say as a nursing student. And in my nursing program, actually in my OB, the clinical was a donor certified doula. She came and we did two full days of clinical. That was like basically the, do- the donor course. Wow. And after that, that class, if we wanted to go do our three births or whatever, mm-hmm. we could leave nursing school as a certified doula, right? We yeah. had the, the coursework. Yeah we could go do the things and that absolutely does not happen at nursing school. No. no. Also, I mean, again, Portland. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so again, that culture. And so this Pitocin paradigm is really bad because we're having bad outcomes. And of all the field areas of nursing where nurses are leaving the field, like we know we have a nursing shortage. Um, they're leaving birth the fastest. They're leaving labor and delivery at the highest rates because Sure, if you're short staffed on med surge, you're still taking care of med surge patients. Or if you're in the ICU, you're, I mean, ICU, like those patients haven't changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're sicker or something like that, but you're taking care of sick people. You're still taking care of sick people. Where birth, the type of patient has drastically changed, not because of anything they did, but because of us, right? Mm-hmm. So the type of care we're giving is just so radically different than what many people thought they were signing up for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not particularly it doesn't feel good to give it. So professionally, it's really important for us to figure this out because of the outcomes, because of this. And again, if you believe, and then thirdly, if you believe that birth is important because it is just as a part of the human experience, um, then, then, then mucking in it more than we need to is, is bad because those few times that we do don't need to muck in it is we're not going to be either not have the staff for it. We're not going to, have that clear distinction between normal and abnormal, right? Um, we see people all the time miss, you know, I've had a few like triage cases too. They're, they're like fully are missing like abruptions, uterine ruptures, um, all of these things because they so don't know what normal looks like that they right. can't tell what, that the, this is clearly abnormal. Right. There was a, I just reviewed one where the mom was very septic. They sent her home because they thought everything was hunky-dory. And I'm like, how would they think that that was hunky-dory? Scary, yeah. And then she comes back a day later, like sick as shit, ends up in the ICU. And yeah, her baby's not not with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's really hard. This Pitocin paradigm is like, it's not just about those inductions. It's really not letting us as nurses have that clear idea of what is normal. Yep. And then only intervening when we are like, this is not normal. We right. need intervene. Like that is what we are for. Remember, mm. we are the laxative. <laughs> That's right. why hospitals for that section that chooses to be there or needs to be there medically. Right. And I think that was why it was so por- important for me to put into my presentation, the three different types of birth, physiological, managed, and C-section. And that right. most nurses have never witnessed physiological birth, nor have they been trained in it. You know, and that's no. all that a doula knows, you know, so of course that's why we come up in with our fists up because we're like, whoa, this shouldn't, 
you need to leave her alone, you know, like, because we've seen, but I did have a nurse come up to me after that. And she said, I've only, she's like, until your presentation, I didn't even realize that there was a different type of birth. I haven't had kids myself. I've only witnessed managed or C-section births, which I didn't even know to call them that until now. And I, she like put her hand on her belly and she said, I want to have a physiological birth. And I said, every woman does, but she just doesn't know how. Right. <laughs> and, so, and I think I, I had never heard the term managed. Like I, I also yeah. never heard it broken down that way. And I think that that was like super, super useful and important. Um, and most, you know, obviously like to we talk about like what a physiologic induction would look like, which again, I know is like a total. I know. I know. It's okay. <laughs> I, I definitely had to look at you. I'm like, yeah, I know Trish. Like, we, we'll get to this later. But using the doses only that the body would ever make these yeah. doses that most people, but um, in, I use, and people have been asking, so I need to bring it back, but like I have a bigger course and it talks about really like how to know normal and abnormal as a way to like protect ourselves and protect our patients. Because mm-hmm. if there, nobody gets hurt, there's no lawsuit. So right, right. patient safety. Yeah. Um, but there's this really great article out of the UK on physiologic birth. And it's, um, they, re, uh, they interviewed 10, it's either 10 or 12 free birth folks, totally unattended. Mm-hmm. No one else is even in the house. There's no midwife in the house. There's no yeah. doula or anything like your true physiologic birth, right? right. Yeah, I know. And I make most. nurses read that article. Like <laughs> yeah. this is what that actually looks like. We will we will never see it, right? No. It's not possible for us yeah. to witness it because once we're there, it's already right. changing things up. But I, I mean, that's usually one of the more impactful things for nurses to just like, oh, this is like not even just home birth. This is like, you are truly- Free birth. Free birth in. Yeah. <laughs> and all of, and I think it was interesting for these nurses to read the accounts because it gives a little background about each of these patients. And some of them had delivered before, some of them don't. Most of them have engaged in the healthcare system at some point in their pregnancy, maybe labs or, or something mm-hmm. like that, or um, in prior pregnancies or something like that. And, you know, their education level and all of these things to not, you know, we can sometimes make up stories about folks who choose things that are different than what we might choose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, until I read that article, I was like, oh yeah, even I, who like taught hypnobirthing or had this, like had this affinity for like, but more natural birth, I was like, I'll never actually, you have to humble yourself a little bit right. that there are these different perspectives out there. There's these different knowledge centers mm-hmm. that they, that they all need to come. So I would say most of the nurses in my hospital, if we see a doula, we're like, yeah, this patient's actually going to know. <laughs> at least yeah. we know that they've got some education ahead yeah. of time. At least she knows what her body's maybe capable of. She knows the right. process of labor, and we don't have to explain that to her. Like this is. What's I feel like they trust me more. Mm-hmm. The patient trusts the nurse more yes. when their doula's there. Oh, I yeah. agree. Yeah, because which it, I'm like, thank you for being here because now I don't have to go through as many hoops to establish right. my self because they already know whether like, I'm not going to try so you do shit, there's a yeah. there, or like, <laughs> but I do feel like it makes the patient actually trust what I'm saying Yeah. more because they need, they can see maybe like, you know, the relationship with the doula or whatever, but I do see them feeling that way. So yeah, in general, we, it, it, it's again, like different specialties. And if you have a flat hierarchy, everybody's 
should be collaborating. Mm -hmm. And it took us a long time, I think, for nurses to flatten the hierarchy between nurses and OBs. And and it's flatter. It's not totally flat. And we don't always see ourselves as powerful. And so I think sometimes um, we already feel, we can already feel a little bit disempowered as nurses, depending on where you're working. Like you're saying like, oh, this OB is telling me this or that. Um, and so that those, yeah, those power dynamics are really in play when doulas come in too. And you're like, do you also think I'm shitty? Like, <laughs> oh, Where yeah. like at my hospital, there's this, like this really flat hierarchy where the OB is just as likely to chat up the doula as I, as anybody. So yeah. it's just a different be like, what do you want to do? What are we going to do like mermaid or what are we yeah. going to do? You know, what's the next move? <laughs> yeah. When an, when an OB acknowledges me and says, what do you think, Trish? I'm just like, thank you. Because it, it's, it doesn't really matter what I think, but it matters what your patient thinks about what you think about me, you know? And mm-hmm. so it instantly makes her trust the doctor <laughs> because he asked me what I think, you know? And so, oh yeah, it's just... Yeah, we just all need to take off our princess hat and be like, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. We have this, I'll tell you like this, like really great story. Um, we had a patient from, I'm in Portland and Hood River is like about an hour away. Mm-hmm. The hospital there, you know, refuses VBACs. You can't, I mean, also FYI, you can't refuse a VBAC. Like if they refuse a C-section, you're doing a VBAC. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I ruined your Sunday, but right. <laughs> like, seriously, you signed so up she for this all the way. She comes all the way to us mm-hmm. and she had had a really terrible first birth and an C-section. She was trying to do a home birth, but she was clear. She had been like one at home, drove 75 minutes. Can you imagine in labor in a car, like Mm-mm. horrible. And I'm got to get, you know, certain stuff ready, but I'm like, get in the tub in the meantime, mm-hmm. right? Get in the tub. And she was like, I want an epidural. I want an epidural and not coping. And at this Mm -hmm. time, and I'm like, okay, cool. But before I can get you epidural, I have to draw labs. And there's certain things I can't just put this into your body without knowing if it's safe. Right. Um, And her home birth midwife's there. And she's just like, check her, check her. And the patient, she's like, I think she's going to get delivered. And I'm like, no, I can clearly tell that she is just wound. She's clenching. She's wound up Mm -hmm. so, so tight. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'm like, I basically said, if you tell me one more, and the patient looks at me, she's like, are you going to shove your hand at me? And I was like, no, no, absolutely. Like I put my hands up, like a cop, like was looking at me, like <laughs> they are where you can see them. And I was like, if you ask me to do that one more time, I'm going to ask you to leave. Like, don't Seriously. do that. Um, so she gets her epidural. She's all relaxed. And the doctor comes in because she's a VBAC yeah. and he's basically like, so uh, you're ruptured but you're contracting. Uh, I see no reason to do anything whatsoever. Do you, do you want anything? And she was like, Nope. And he's like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'll hang out. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. And and she afterwards, so then we, you know, we did some like sideline release and some Mm -hmm. jiggles and some things. She ended up like, like meditate. I don't know. She's during her fashion jiggle session. That's what I love. And they call it. I don't know if it's a technical term. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a spinning babies. Well, yeah. You just like jiggle her side lay. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, went, she's like transcended and went through some sort of like golden portal or something apparently uh-huh. during her nap for her words. Very cool. And she ended up having this like really healing experience. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm actually glad that I have this hospital birth experience because this was really healing for me. Mm-hmm. Because all like this thought was 
you know, what had happened last time, which was like them pulling her out of a bathroom. Basically she has been trying to hide in the bathroom so they wouldn't section her. Mm. Like, I know was like, Oh, and she did. She had a vaginal birth. She's like, it's great. And she's like, I'm going to drive an hour and a half for my next baby just so I can have Ari. (laughs) (laughs) This like our one man OB. (laughs) But I think that's the power. Like we both said, like, we trust you. Yeah. Your body's fine. Yeah. And then she believed you. Yeah. Yeah. And the doctor said it and like, mm-hmm. you know, and so yeah, she had this epiduralized hospital birth that for her, it was actually like the birth that that was the birth that she felt like she needed to, yes. she was just never, she was so traumatized from birth. She was never going to relax enough. Right. Yeah. By the time we received her. Right. That I so. always tell my clients, I never, if you're a hospital birther, I never take an epidural off of your table. Like it's always an option. And every once in a while I will witness and say, after everything that we've done, I really think an epidural might be the best case scenario for you. And we're lucky that we have it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they can't handle the pain. It's sometimes you can't relax. Yes. And your mind won't let go. And in that case, the environment is terrifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you like my harsh environment theory that I talked about at the conference? It is a harsh environment. (laughs) And anybody who doesn't recognize that just does not get physiology. They don't get science. No. I know. But no, we are mammals. We don't go into brightly lit places with strangers. Mm-hmm. Give them our clothing. Yeah. I know. And then expect them and to feel have comfortable. A spotlight pointed at us. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. My grandpa's like a cattle rancher, or he's dead now, but a cattle ranching family kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And I'm like, we had to go freaking find those cows because they'd go off wherever to have their babies. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. And you're just like, oh shit, the dog went into the barn at some point and had a litter of puppies. Yeah. No one had any freaking clue that happened. You mm-hmm. just all of a sudden there's yeah. we were but no our animals. Inst- I know. Our instincts we've just been so taught to turn our instincts off when it comes to our bodies and our it's everything. It's wild, yeah, for sure. It's super wild. And for nurses, like again, why you know, speaking the language of nurses, it's like I try and help them understand like the the question that just floored me that you got at the Utah conference is like, who's worried about the babies? <laughs> and you and I both, your I'm face like, was so confused. You're like, well, the baby's going to go skin to skin. Like the mom, <laughs> the mom's going to take care of the baby. Like, what do you mean? And she meant the fetus inside yeah. the mom. And you were like, I could just tell you were like, what the fuck? And yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, okay, I'm going to give this about three minutes before <laughs> I'm like, have you not taken a basic fetal monitoring class? Do you not know how oxygen works, how blood flow to the uterus works? Like if someone is in fight or flight, there is no oxygen for their baby. Thank you so much for bringing that up because I didn't. And so I just like quoted A1 and I was like, stop being a dum-dum. And then I sat down. Thank you. Thank you. Like all the, all the things that we're trying to do to manage it is what's actually causing the problem. So what do you mean? What about the baby? I know. I know. It it was, yeah, I was just like, wow. There's no such thing as a, unless there's like a cord prolapse or a, you know, something like that, you know, the cords game pigeon. But if someone's relaxed and calm and breathing, Mm -hmm. the baby's got oxygen. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was again, so there's those random problem. emergencies, that, right? Of course, cord prolapse, true knots, mm-hmm. you know, something, yes, mm-hmm. that could be cut off, but yeah, generally, of you're using the uterus appropriately, yeah, because you're oxygenated. But, yeah. um, we should not be at odds. I know, I agree. The science yeah. is the science, yeah, so. yeah, 
Yeah. Oh man, gosh, Jen. We could I I feel like we could talk for 20 hours straight and oh, not for sure. get everything talked about, but because I know that we need to wrap things up. Is there one last thing that you would like to leave with our listeners about well, just anything to help them, to help anyone? <laughs> Sorry, I have a okay. client texting me right I know. now. I'm trying to <laughs> I just, I know I'm going to get a lot of DMs from patients, yeah. now, but um, I can't give any medical advice to people. Um, but I would just say like, yeah, if you, I understand if people don't feel like they can afford a doula that they, that they can't, like there's some real limitations, but um, yeah, picking that supportive person to come with you um, and planning for it to have, to be surrounded and supported in birth um, is a, the, the literature is clear that any present, any female presence. And I do think that that's very interesting. Any continuous female presence at the bedside will improve your outcome. So, I mean, sister-in-law, mm-hmm. best friend, do a life you can mm-hmm. depends on your relationship with your mother. Maybe, maybe yeah. not, <laughs> maybe, maybe not with your mother. I don't know. Um, yeah. but yeah, get that supportive fetal present, female presence. Um, at your bedside and um yeah just know have a birth plan know that you're doing the right thing by having a birth plan your outcomes will always be better if you have a birth plan it's again it's just science yeah. they've actually studied that did you yeah. know that yeah. no i mean yes, i do my own studies it's a really really yeah, great article okay yeah I, my friend do you know mandy irby from the birth nurse she and I did a few TikToks called birth plan hotline. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> They're pretty we'll funny where people would like, we would pretend people were calling us, nurses were calling us upset about a birth plan and we'd explain to them all the, the great parts about the birth plan. I love it. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I think we were, it was like summer. We were maybe drinking oh. <laughs> birth plan hotline and I had this gold I sequin love. dress on. <laughs> love we have birth plans are are evidence-based if you have a plan you are more likely to have good outcomes Mm -hmm. whether all of those things get followed or not just have the act of having the birth plan is useful which is why like major healthcare systems like kaiser every patient fills out a birth plan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah they know it's going to improve their outcomes yeah ihc has one that they hand out to most patients I mean, yeah. they handed out their first physio, which doesn't make any sense to me, but, and usually by that time they don't even see it anymore, but I always talk about IHDs in my birth plan class, just mm-hmm. so yep. people know what the hospital is offering or willing to offer. Right. Yeah. yeah. So those would be the two things that patients can do. And then again, for like birth workers, doulas, home birth midwives who are maybe going to be transferring in or nurses who are listening or anything like that, then um, yeah, starting to engage with your like hospital ethicists or your hospital legal. Yes. Oh, that's so great. That is one thing that I learned on this episode today yeah, that I didn't really too. know that we could ask for. So thank you, Jen. Um, yeah. You're amazing. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, if our listeners just need more Jen, where can they find you? Um, if your patients are pregnant, probably don't look at my Instagram. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, but you know, I try to keep it. I try to be trauma informed or trauma aware, but it's obviously I'm talking about things that are like not, not nice, but if they need like a, like extra information or Mm -hmm. something like that, I mean, they'll, they'll notice it's very much like geared for other nurses, but, um, um, yeah, I have, I've done a few other podcasts, but no, they should just keep listening to you. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Oh, thank you. Did so you say much. that you teach a class? It's for nurses. Okay. It's on how to like lawsuit proof your practice, but it's basically just how to keep patients safe. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Is there anything else, Morgan? I don't think so. I just okay. wanted to personally thank you too. I'm so jazzed to have been able to meet you and also have our listeners be able to hear from you because I think there's a lot of value in what you've shared with us today. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you, Jen. Okay. All right. Well, we will oh, sign yeah. off, Sorry, yeah. I guess. <laughs> you, um, to our listeners, you likely know where to find us, but we are on Instagram at the Birth Village Podcast. You can send us an email at the Birth Village Podcast at gmail.com or, you know, send us a voice, voice memo on Instagram or leave us a voicemail. There's a call button on our Instagram. Uh, we love to hear from you and we love to hear your voice. But if that intimidates you, you're more than welcome to send us a regular DM or also email us. But we are so grateful to all of our supporters. If you feel comfortable leaving a rating and review, we would be so grateful for that as well. And even better, if you think that someone you know could benefit from hearing this episode or any of our episodes, just share it with them because I think that that is, you know, word of mouth is the best way to get things out, but also it shows them that you care about them. And I think that's really awesome. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to hearing what you thought about this episode and please always remember that empowered women, empower women. Empower women. <laughs>